something from the Lord, amen, knowing that he's the one that can give, amen, he's a merciful God tonight, amen, and uh, it's certainly a real honor and privilege to be here with you again, and amen, to see our friends out here tonight, I heard Brother Sean, Brother Darren, and I don't know the other pastors that are here tonight, but God bless you, amen, and I uh, want to thank Brother Ron for having us tonight, and Brother Andrew, God bless you all, and the Spencer family, Brother Matthew, it's a it's such a privilege for the friendships, and I, I happen to have my some of my family with me tonight. Zach and Anna's here, and little Evelyn's here somewhere. Uh, she's sleeping, you know. No, no, she's there. Uh, so then, uh, and uh, also we have Brother Isaac with us tonight. God bless you, Brother Isaac, and Amen. Uh, Want to bring you greetings from Brother Erickson, the family there, and True Word, and say God bless you. Um, as always, Amen. We're certainly privileged and honored amen to be here with you tonight amen uh up there on the sound it's it's real quiet in my ear i don't know if you can help me on it if you can it'd be a great thing it seems quiet all together up here is it is it maybe you could just take these up too with it just a little bit oh there we're coming now amen you forgive me i i preach so much my voice is just a little bit weak times and uh, I depend on these microphones, and amen. So we want to thank you for your help up there. And on the ear, just a little bit more, and then let me control it. it. Take it up where it's too much, and then I'll control it from here. Amen. And so we want to take it to the book of Isaiah tonight. Um, I uh, have some few things here we'd like to just speak to you on from the book of Isaiah, uh, the 25th chapter. And uh, we've been praying over this for the last few days. The Lord had taken me into some of this back home, and and uh, I've touched it, but I haven't been able to speak much on it. Uh, it's just something that I'm I'm breaking into, and I pray tonight that you give me grace. I won't have time to read all the quotes that I have concerning it, but I'll just go ahead and say it. And if you need a quote, I'll send it to you because we'll have them here. Um, but uh, Brother Ron said, Brother Wayne, just preach. So the people know you just preach. I said, that's just what I'll do then if it's okay. Amen. amen. Uh, in the book of Isaiah, the 25th chapter, amen, just before we read, we're going to ask the Lord to help us here tonight in the reading of his word. Faithful Lord, we thank you tonight for your mercy. We thank you for your anointing here upon this meeting. Lord, the special songs that have been sung, the blessing, Lord, that has been given already in your anointing and your worship. And Lord Jesus, we're just asking you now as we turn to your word, Lord, that your mercy would come and settle over us. Now, Father, we have been taught that man can open the pages of a Bible, but it cannot open the meaning of the word. It will take you, Lord. And so we ask you tonight that you would just come and that you would settle and visit with us tonight over these scriptures. Lord, may you... Bless this congregation that's gathered for them that'll be, Lord, maybe viewing this by the way of streaming tonight. I pray you would help them and bless them. And Father, may you give us instruction and, 
and take us down the paths of righteousness for thy namesake, O oh Lord. Now, Father, we, we offer ourselves, our mind, our heart. And Lord, we're admittedly, but right before this congregation, before anyone that would hear this, that we have no abilities whatsoever that we could help man or that we would know something. But Lord, that if you would just come by and give us grace tonight, we would give you all the honor and the glory, Lord, and we give you all the praise. We thank you for it tonight. Now, in Jesus' name, we pray, amen and amen. And God bless you if you have your Bible. Isaiah 25, I want to look here in the sixth verse. Isaiah 25, verse 6. And in the mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of wines on the lees well refined. And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all the people and the veil that is spread over all the nations. He shall swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God shall wipe away all the tears from off of the earth and rebuke of the people shall be taken away from off of all the earth. For the Lord hath spoken it. We ask the Lord to bless his word tonight. If you could be seated. I'm going to speak to you just a little bit tonight. If I would take a title. I'd like to speak to you a bit on the banquet of wines. On the banquet of wine. And uh, it's such a, it's such a, 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 a scripture uh, for me personally. Because I know that the scripture is dealing with the end time. And it's dealing with the time of the changing of the body of the church. So we're, we're certainly uh, thankful that the Lord would put something in the scripture for us. Now, last night I was sitting, uh, praying about the meeting today. And as I was praying, I went into the book of Jeremiah. And I was just, uh, just meditating over the scripture. And, and the Lord gave me this. And I want to just read it from Jeremiah, the first chapter and the first, fourth verse. It says, For when the Lord of the Lord, where did the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in thy belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of thy womb, I sanctified thee. And he says, And I ordained thee to be a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Our Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. And the Lord said unto me, Say not that I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. In thy mouth. I think it's a powerful thing tonight to see that God ordains before the foundation of the world. The scripture says here that he actually ordained Jeremiah even before he was in his mother's womb. God ordained him and ordained, and the prophet teaches us before the foundation of the world, that God ordained him that he would put his words in his mouth. Now, I know you're not Jeremiah tonight, but do you know that God has also ordained this bride from before the foundations of the world that he might put his word in your mouth? Can you imagine 
that you are a predestinated vessel. You are ordained of God that he might touch your mouth into this age and place his word in you. Now, in saying that, of course, Apostle Paul helps us to understand this in the book of Corinthians. Paul will say to us, he said, now, God, what? Came the word of God out of you? He said, from you, or it came unto you only. Now, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge the things which I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Now, watch what he's saying to you. If you are spiritual, the word either came to you or out of you. Now, of course, word prophets are born and the word comes from them as a vindication. They're a vindicated vessel. Amen. But the church of the living God, the bride of Christ, is a prophetic people. And a prophetic people being that, that she is able to receive the word of prophecy and it literally is taken into her mouth and then used as the glory of God. So they're ordained vessels to not only, not, not that they're trying to come up with their own revelation, but they're ordained to receive the word and then they become the word and the word is in their mouth. Now I'm going to read this directly from the scripture in Revelations 10. John said in the eighth verse, the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, give me this little book. And he said unto me, take it and eat it up and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. Now watch the prophecy. If you take this book, you eat this book, watch it, it shall be in thy mouth. Have you ever heard Brother Branham preach a sermon called The Uncertain Sound? And he said if the, if the trumpet would sound uncertain, who could prepare for the battle? Is that right? And the prophet uses this, and then he goes into the scripture, and he said there's so many things that are uncertain, but there are things that are certain and then he says see if you repent you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost if they lay hands on the sick they shall recover so brother man then goes into the shelbies of the scripture things that are positive or are certain and here the scripture is saying John if you take this book this little open book if you take this book and you eat this book, he said, the word shall be in thy mouth. Now, I'm not interested tonight in how it was tasting or what it done to his belly, but the beauty of it is the word was in his mouth. Now, it wasn't just any word, but it was the word of the season of the redemption of everything that had been lost. This book that John is being invited to eat, of course, this is the book that was closed over in Revelations, the fifth chapter, and John is not able even to look on that book, but now he's being invited to take that book and eat that book, and literally the word of God will be in his mouth, the word of all the ages, the word of prophecy and of truth. Now, what was the difference is that the lamb had taken that book, and the seventh angel had sounded on the earth. So the word had come unto John through a prophet through a prophetic ministry, and John was able to, to receive it and the word shall be in thy mouth. I think it's powerful. If you eat this book, then the word's gonna be in your mouth. Of course, amen, looking at the book of Revelations, it is actually a book of symbols, and, and I don't have time to go through all the symbols, and there's a lot of them. 
Amen. But if you go through the symbols and you start seeing that the symbology of the scripture matters. In other words, if it says here that there was a white horse rider or a black horse rider, there's a reality to that. Amen. It's only a symbol that means something. And when John was asked to take a book and eat it, it's symbology that John is being invited to receive a revelation that's being released at that time. Because see, we didn't need a new Bible, did we? We needed a revelation. And that's the reason the seventh angel had to be a prophet because the book was the word of God that would be restored to this age in revelation. It wasn't that we didn't have the Bible. We had the Bible. But we needed a revelation of the Bible. We needed somebody to open up this book and to make this book live in the season that we're living in. And John was being invited that he would eat that book. Of course, it's prophesying of the bride church. Now, I know a lot of people stop at the seventh angel. They read Revelations 10, and that's all at the seventh verse, and that's all it means to them. Amen. But listen, amen, that's only where it began. That's only how it began. And we know right now today the seventh verse of Revelations 10 is a history lesson to the church of the living God. But that eighth verse through that 11th verse is where the ministry of the bride began under the commission just as Jesus commissioned his disciples. This ministry of the seventh angel has commissioned an end time ministry to preach the greatest revelations that's ever been given on the face of the earth. We are not looking for something to say. We have been given something to say. We have been given the word of the Lord that is the prophecy for the changing of your body. It's for the healing of the soul. It's for the restitution of your heart. It should bring joy and peace and comfort and life. It is a life-changing message that we have been given. We have not just been given a little message or a little inspiration or just a little sermonette. We have been given the entire book released in a revelation that will change your entire life. But because you were ordained from the foundation of the world, you have been given the ability to eat the book and to receive the revelation that other people are not going to receive. They're not going to believe it. But something about you that you're able to receive of the grace of God in this age. I'll tell you what it is. Amen. You should take that book. You should eat that book. And the word will be in thy mouth. And it will be sweet as honey. If the word is in thy mouth, it shall be sweet as honey. I know I'm overdriving it, but go ahead and give it to me. I'll do it. Amen. Do you see what it is? The sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand, and it ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Now, of course, if any man think himself to be a spiritual prophet, let him acknowledge. Let him acknowledge the things which I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Now, Brother Bram said, Here's the proof of the indwelling of the Spirit. It was to acknowledge and follow what God's prophet had gave for the age, as he said in the order. Paul had to say these, as he claimed another, uh, Paul had to say to those who claimed another revelation, came the word of God out of you or came it unto you only? Then the evidence of a Spirit-filled Christian believer is not to produce the truth word, but to receive the truth word. And to obey it. Now here's the evidence of that spirit. 
is to receive that. Now, in Revelation 22, 17, it is written that the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come. See, the bride speaks the same word as does the spirit. She is a word bride proving she has the spirit in every church age, we hear these words. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. The Spirit gives the word. And if you have the Spirit, you will hear the word for your age as true Christians took the word for their age. Isn't that powerful? They meant that you are anointed by the Spirit to receive the word. Not that you're producing the word, you're receiving the word. Amen. Now watch in the book of Exodus. Remember at the time of deliverance when Moses went into the presence of God and he was told he was going to be the deliverer of the entire children of Israel. And remember, he had an argument with God. I can't do it because I don't speak well. He actually told him, he actually told the Lord, I can't do it, I don't speak well. I, my speech, I just had some trouble. I'm not able to do it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses and he said, it's not Aaron, Levite, thy brother? And I know that he can speak well. Behold, he cometh forth to meet thee and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth. Now look at the beauty of this. And I will be with thy mouth as with his mouth, and will teach you what you shall do. God just told him, Moses, I know you don't speak well, Aaron speaks well, but you put the words in his mouth, and when he speaks the words you have spoken, I will be with his mouth the same as I am with yours. Can you imagine that whenever that God was laying out a principle that there would be a church, a bride come in the last days that would take this very principle when God said unto Moses, I will make you a God unto the people and I will make Aaron a prophet unto you. They meant to find that this bride would be a prophetic people, amen, that God would entire the entire congregation, not just the preachers, not just the ministries, but the entire bride of Christ will be the anointed bride body of Jesus Christ who is anointed by the word that was turned down in the Garden of Eden but is returned unto this age and the bride is receiving that word and she is eating that word and she is speaking that word. What is it? Amen. It shall be in thy mouth. Amen. And I will be with your mouth, same as I am with his mouth. Now look at the power of that. If God's going to ask you to do something, he's got to provide the need. If God's going to say to you, you're going to do a certain thing, then he's got to provide whatever it is to do what he said you're going to do. He said, I, you lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. He's got to give you the spirit to be able to recover them. If you're going to do it, God's got to provide the need to do so with his grace. Now watch, because the scripture is predicting that in the end time, there will be a restitution of all things. In Acts, the third chapter, the Bible said, Repent ye therefore and be converted in your sins and to be blotted out. For when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, he shall send Jesus Christ, which was pre preached unto you, whom heaven must receive until the times of the restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all of his holy prophets since the world began. 
For Moses truly said unto our fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise unto you of your brethren, liken unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things, and whatsoever he shall say unto you, amen, it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear the prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. And it shall come to pass, amen, that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken likewise, have foretold these days. Look at the beauty of how that Paul here in the book of Acts is putting out the idea that, that, that literally was coming a refreshing in the last days at the time of restitution. Now, y'all know what refreshing is. Refreshing is a refilling of the Holy Ghost. It's a refreshment that would be coming from the presence of Almighty God. In other words, there is a, there's a refreshment that will come into the church that you're not going to get it from drinking beer or whiskey or not just a little wine now and again. This is not the refreshment the Bible's talking about. The Bible is talking about the refreshment of the book of Isaiah that said, with stammering lips and other tongues will I speak there unto my people and this is the rest wherein I cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing from God. This is the refreshing he's talking about. It's when the Holy Ghost is released among the people to fulfill the word of God it'll become a refreshing under that church it will refresh their hearts it'll refresh their lives do you see the presence of God will do something for you that nothing else is going to do the presence of God will change you in a way nothing else can change you you cannot counsel it you cannot teach it you cannot you cannot shake hands enough I cannot counsel you enough but if a man ever one time comes into the presence of God it'll change everything it'll change your life it'll change your attitude it'll change your ability you may be down to nothing but get in the presence of God and he'll refresh you amen oh come on we might as well preach here tonight this is an eagle age isn't it isn't it an eagle age aren't you eagles and the prophet said he called you an eagle for a reason he said, because it's the only bird that can be all the way down and be brought all the way back again. An eagle can be renewed. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Well, I'll tell you this. We have waited on the Lord, and we have come into the time of the refreshment of the Holy Ghost that's come upon the church. It's in a season of refreshment, in a season of refreshing that has come upon us. You say, well, hey, man, what do you what do you really speaking of let's just talk about it a minute amen in the presence of God unrecognized how many knows brother Branham told us how to recognize the presence of God he told us here in Topeka 1964 in the message in the message the presence of God unrecognized isn't that something that God could be present and not be recognized he said if we could only do that tonight if we could only realize that he is appearing to us in these meetings for one purpose. That's to release our desires that we have in him to us. But we've got to recognize his presence. And now how to recognize his presence is when the promised word for this age is made manifest. Not the promised word for Moses' age or any other age. The promised word for this age. 
So the promise word for this age, Revelations 10, Luke 17, Malachi 4, Joel chapter 2, these scriptures, when you see them fulfilled, they are announcing the presence of Almighty God. Only God can fulfill his word. Only God can make a virgin conceive. Only God can make the Bible live. That, it takes God to do it. So when you see the scriptures come alive, it's God himself that is making them live. It's God that makes the scripture live. And when you see that living, it's God's presence among them. Now I know, amen, the word for the age we're living in and a command that God has put upon us. Now, I don't know what your situation is, here tonight. I, some of you, I haven't seen you in a while. Some of you, I don't know. But I, I, can I just preach to you now? Can, I, I'm not going to talk about our problem. I'm going to talk about our answer. Amen. It, no matter what the problem, here's the answer. Amen. The prophet of God said, my ministry was different than other ministries. He said, my ministry is from, different from a pastor or a teacher. And if I say things wrong, brethren, forgive me. I don't mean to do it. But this is my ministry to declare him that he is here. Oh, glory to God. I tell you what you ought to do right now. You ought to tell every devil that's told you that God has left you and that he's not with you and that God's not in the midst of the church and he's not showing up in our meetings. You ought to tell that devil tonight you're a lying devil. A vindicated word prophet said his only ministry was to declare him that he is here. I don't care what you see, he's here. I don't care what you feel, he's here. I don't care what you think, he is here. Right now, Jesus Christ is alive. I propose to you that Jesus is not dead. I say he rose up from the grave and he's living and he's alive. And not only is he there, he's right here in this building right now in another dimension, pressing into this dimension by the power of God. If you don't know he's here, you are to shake loose from that numbing spirit that the devil has placed on you to unbelieve God and say, I will not believe my lying eyes. I might not see him, but my faith declares he's here he's here in this building he's here to change my life he's here to bring grace into my heart I believe he's here you ain't gonna convince me otherwise I got a word prophet saying he's here then he's here. You can declare it, brother. You can climb to the highest mountain. You can go to the biggest churches. You can walk in the middle of a bunch of formal intellectuals. Amen. And you can declare to them, Christ is here. Amen. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there shall I be in the midst of them. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But you shall see me, for I will be with you, even in you, until the end of the age. I'm... <laughs> Y'all got to forgive me, but I think we ought to do it. I think we ought to climb to the highest mountain and take a bell and go to ringing it and make a declaration of the presence of God and to declare that you might have to sell something. You might have to forsake something. You might have to walk away from a tradition or a creed or an idea, but whatever it costs, you've got to say it from your heart. He is here. He's here in this meeting tonight. Now, I'm going to a realm that's greater than your feelings. Because sometimes you don't maybe feel, maybe you don't feel like he's here. 
Well, does that mean that I just quit because I don't feel that he's here? No, amen. There are times that my body don't feel like it. There's times my mind don't feel like it. There's times there's low spots in my, in my spirit where it don't feel like it. But in the inner man, there is a soul down in there. And there's a believer in there. And that believer hears the word. And when the word says he's here, the mouth of a believer must confess what the word. Uh, now the prophet of God said this. In the presence of God unrecognized, the greatest pleasure I know of is to be pray until I can realize I'm in the presence of God and recognize it. I think that ought to be the thrill of the church, he says. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit seeing that God made the promise standing among us. Feel his presence, see his word, and see it's vindicated. It ought to give faith. It ought to make cripples walk, blind, see, deaf, hear, and dumb to speak. I tell you this, I want some inspiration. I desire inspiration. Do you desire inspiration? There's been a lot of inspirations. We're, we're, we're coming late in the game in the message. There's been a lot of inspirations. There's been thunder inspiration, Perugia inspiration, every kind of inspiration. But every one of those inspirations ended up rallying around a man, a personality. But there is one inspiration that will end up at the feet of Jesus. And the inspiration is the one the prophet introduced to us. And I've heard, but now I see in 1965, he said, remember in your heart, you're sitting there, make a little altar, come into my heart now and give me something, something I can hold to. Let me feel the inspiration that you're present. Let that be the inspiration of the church. He's present. Let that be the inspiration of the ministry. He's here. He's here, he's present right now. He's ready to perform. You see, this is what hell is against. Now it's okay, most anybody will get with us that he was here when we're talking about 1906 or 1925. We're talking about 1940s or 1950s or 1960s. And they see the, the manifestations of a prophet's life and they see the great things that were happening. They're all good about that, but the the, but what hell is against is the spiritual revelation that he is here now. That's what hell is against is that you can declare he's here now. That you can stand against all of hell with revelation and say he's here now. See, he's here with power, but many doeth err not knowing the scripture because someone says, well, that was another day. That was for another time. See, that was for another season, and this happened, and this didn't happen in this way. And, 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 and unknowingly, many men take the spirit of the church of Christ while trying to preach the message of the hour. They literally say that all of the miracles were done to prove the message in the days of a prophet, but there would be no reason for that miracle working God to be among us today, which is exactly the church of Christ. The Baptists have another theory, amen, that that God's alive, and if you just come shake my hand, then you got it already. But we've heard those same spirits right in the, in the pulpits, which was, should be the message of the hour, which were, Brother Branham said, the second crucifixion of Jesus Christ would not be done on a cross. It would be done in the pulpit. He said, where they kill the effect of the word. 
Do you see? We have the word. Amen. And if we would plead the promise, the word would be effective unless somebody stands there and says, well, it's not for this day. It can't happen now. There's no way for it to take place. Amen. But you will never stop true revelation. You will never stop true revelation from coming to the church of the living God. Once it becomes a part of you, you cannot kill it. Once revelation drops into the soul, you can never take revelation out of the soul of a man. It's what becomes revelation. Do you see what it is? Amen. According to scripture, the great I am was to return in the last day. The, 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 very, the very Elohim was to come into the bride. The very one who was called Melchizedek literally would take flesh in the last day and use humanity to prove that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you know today we're living here and the prophet would say to us, headship is here. And our headship is a, a Messiah, is it not? The Messiah of the bride is the anointed word of the age. Brother Ram said what we need today is a message anointed with the Messiahship of Christ. That's what we needed, right? Now, in world falling apart, he said, watch. He said he came to be a national or church or political. If the Messiah, he never came to be national or political church. If the Messiah would come today, he would not be a national or church politician. If, he would, if we would cry for such a person, God would send us deliverance, but we've got to receive it the way he sends it. They didn't do that. They warned it in that way, and the church cries today, Oh, Father, will you please send Jesus to us? Will you please? And when the Holy Spirit begins to move, they don't want that. Will you send Jesus? But when the Holy Ghost begins to move, they don't want that. See, because in this age that you're living in, this is the age of the Holy Ghost. This is when the Holy Ghost manifests itself in the church of the living God by divine promise of the word in this age. What is it? It's the word. Amen. It's God's Messiah. It's his anointed word to anoint his church and send it back to the word. Now, not some man is the Messiah. It's the Holy Spirit is the Messiah. Now I'm reading quotes directly. It's the Holy Spirit is the Messiah. Christ and the Holy Spirit is the same thing. So here it is now working in the flesh, getting the bride ready for rapturing grace. What is it? Amen. He sends his Messiah, but there's a lot of people don't want it. But the Bible said he came unto his own and his own received him not. But as to many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. Not that they become sons of God. They were having liberty to exercise as sons of God. Amen. If you are a son, you always were a son. And that's the reason you have received the message message of the hour and it brings liberty, it brings power, it brings reality. Listen, if you're listening to messages that are taking the power out of the church, taking the worship out of the church, you're listening to some intellectual man always talking about what God used to do, but we can't do this anymore.
before. Amen. Let me tell you, you not listen to the message of the hour. The message of the hour is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I say the God that I serve is an omnipotent God, and he's so powerful that if you can put him anywhere, and he still remains to be God. You cannot diminish my God by the place you put him in. You can put him in Wayne Lawson. He's still a mighty God. You can put him in Andrew. He's still a mighty God. You can put him in any believer in this building. And he remains to be the same. He is unconquered by tradition. He said, preacher, what are you getting at? I I think you know what I'm getting at. To them that receive the Holy Ghost, amen, have been given power to exercise. They've been given power to bring authority of that spirit in the church of the living God. I know what it's about. I know the day we're living, it's, it's more popular to talk about what God used to do. What God used to do. You know what Brother Bram called that? He called it a painted fire. When you're explaining to somebody the God of yesterday, you are painting them a fire. But Brother Branham said it never warmed the hands of a cold man. And the painted fire of this age will never warm the heart of a believer in this cold Laodicea. You've got to bring the same God that was in this Bible, that was in the days of Elijah, and he's got to step on the platform again and manifest himself with authority and power. Let me tell you this, what's wrong today is men are scared to take that challenge. They're scared to say he's the same because they don't know he's the same. They never met him the same. But listen, let me tell you this, I'm not scared of that unbelieving skeptical devil. The God that I serve is still a miracle working God. He's still the God that can open blind eyes. He can raise the dead, the cripples can walk because he remains to be God. I'm not scared to say that my God can change life that my God can fill with the Holy Ghost. Somebody said, well, I don't know if he could. Then you've never met my God. My God is not dead. My God is alive and he's powerful and he's reality. I met him. I talked to him. He talked back to me and every devil in hell lost power the morning I met him. Let somebody give the Lord a shout. Shout aloud, old daughter of Zion. Tell that unbelieving devil, got no place in here tonight. That devil tried to torment you. I hate that lying devil. You know what he is? Andrew, he's a tormentor, isn't he? But he's not only a tormentor, he's a liar. So he don't care to lie to torment you. He will tell you a lie and torment you by the lie he's telling you. But I tell you this, I've got a God that can dissolve every doubt. He can straighten up every lie. And when the word of God is preached, there's a power and an authority to break that spirit away from the church of the living God. I'll tell you this, God God sent something in this age. He sent the word in this age, the anointed in this age. He sent the the revelation in this age. Now, Now, when the word is being fulfilled, it renews the vision. It brings refreshment. Y'all ever ever needed that? You ever been in a cold spot in your life? You ever been in a place where you need some refreshing? Let me tell you, there's a place you can drink tonight that'll refresh you. It'll bring you what you need. Do you know that Moses was an anointed man? He was actually born for purpose. 
Moses was, was an intellectual man taught by his mother and even knew the children of Israel were to get deliverance. But now he tried it on his own and failed. You know what he ended up? He ended up 40 years on the backside of the desert. He ended up back there and the prophet of God said, think of Moses, how that Moses standing there on the mountainside by that burning bush, he had lost all hope of freedom. In the absence of the presence of God from your consciousness, you lose hope of freedom. You lose hope of change. You lose hope when there is no reality of presence. Now watch what the prophet says. He said he lost all the hopes of freedom. Didn't seem like freedom for that people he so gallantly stood for one time. Now Moses had killed a man for that freedom. And now he was standing there wondering if there was such. Amen. But the problem was that he was absent from the presence of God. Now that God was there the same as he had always been. But Moses was not aware he was not aware of what God was going to do. Brother Bram said, see, I think it's the same today. Many of us lose sight of our freedom. Many of us lose. The moment you lose sight of the presence of God, you have lost sight of your freedom. That's why there's many people sitting in churches today bound when men teach the Holy Spirit for another day. If he's here, now he's here in the Holy Spirit. Right? The corporal body's in heaven. If it wasn't, we wouldn't be preaching tonight. So if he's here, he's here as the Holy Spirit. When you put the Holy Spirit out of the church, you have removed the presence of God from the church and the people become in bondage. Look what he says here, the prophet of God, God's arrow deliverance. He said, why brother, if we had ever come in the presence of God like Moses did, it was revolutionary to him. And it would revolutionize, this 4th of July weekend, be a good weekend for this, wouldn't it? And it would revolutionize, he said, in the light of that angel of God standing there on that mountain that day, everything he once had or thought he never would happen come to reality. Everything he thought, well, it would never happen. We used to think it could, but now we don't know if it will. He said, right there in the presence of that angel of God, it become reality. It became illuminated. I think of men and women today, if they would ever step in the light of the Holy Spirit, look at the prophet. He steps in the light of the Holy Spirit under the unction of God's Spirit and light of God's Word. Everything God has promised will illuminate to you and be real again. My, and be real again. See what happened to Moses now. Some of you with us in the meeting, I'm gonna act like some of you wasn't because this was very important. Moses was standing there and when he began to receive the instruction from the Lord, the Lord said, I have remembered my promise of my children. And he said, I have promised I will deliver them with a mighty hand. God made that promise to them. So the word of Noah's day would not help the children of God in Moses' day. Building an ark would not help them in Egypt, wouldn't help them. Because it wasn't fitting for the need of their age. Do you see why it's so important to know the message of your season? 
What is the anointing of where you're living? What's going on now? You've got to know where that anointing is and watch what he's doing. He's sitting there talking to angel of the Lord. He said, I've come down. I have remembered my promise that I made to Abraham. I shall deliver my people with a mighty hand. And remember, then the anointing from that burning bush begins to ignite Moses' faith. Amen. And rehearses to him, makes it illuminates, makes real that there's a deliverer going. And he asked that wonderful question to the Lord. Now, who can I say is sent me down here? Who can I tell the people that has sent me to deliver them? He said, you tell them the I am sent you. Not the I was, not the I will be. You tell them the I am sent you. Now, when you get in the anointed ones of the end time, Brother Branham handles that scripture differently than I ever heard him handle it. And he takes the I am, and he says, watch. He says, the I am sent me. He said, the promised word sent him. What was sending him was the promise to Abraham being fulfilled. He was walking because God was keeping his word to Abraham. What was making him go to Egypt was God had promised Abraham and now that word was in season and Abraham, amen, not knowing this, Moses was a part of the promise that Abraham had been given of God. Moses was in the part of the I am. He was the, man of, he was the fulfillment part of the promise. And look what he said, the I am sent me. Are, are we getting it together? The I am sent me. The word sent me. In other words, Noah's, Noah's promise didn't send me. It was Abraham's promise sent me. I've come because God made a promise to Abraham's seed. That's why I'm here. So the I am sent me. Now notice in the hour we're living in, the same I am is still alive. He's not the I was or the I will be. He's still the I am. So there is promises of this age that has sent us to this place. Now, I know sometimes we get discouraged as believers. I got you. But listen, I want to talk to you a minute, Gideon. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me, thou mighty man of favor. I want you to know God has done some things. He has changed some things. Amen. And God has sent an angel with you. Amen. Did not the Lord say to him, have not I sent thee? Have not I sent listen bride I want to talk to you have not I sent thee is it not written in the scripture that you would eat this book and you would prophesy in this age is it not written in the Bible that I will bring a refreshing in the presence of the Lord in a time of the restitution of almighty God amen I know the devil's after you but have not I sent you has not the I am sent you Brother, if the I am sent you, if the I am sent you, then the Red Sea can't get in your way. If the I am sent you, Pharaoh will never stop you. If the I am sent you, there's not enough devils in hell to stop the church of the living God. I'll tell you why I'm here. The I am sent me. Malachi, the fourth chapter, we have stepped out of. Revelations, the tenth chapter, has sent us to this age. We're not just here trying to do something. We're not here trying to be something on our own. The I am has sent us. Not the I was, not the I will be. Oh, I tell you, brother, amen, God done so many wonderful things in the days of Pentecost. He done so many beautiful things in the days of Azusa Street. Oh, you ought to have been in Brother Bam's meetings back in the 40s and all the wonderful things that he did. He's not the I was. 
He is the I am. Amen. It's time to update your stories. It's time to remember that the God of Elijah is still the God of Jesus Christ. And he lives in the church of the living God. He still opens blinded eyes. He still raises the dead. He still changes hearts. Don't tell me about a God that used to be if I can't preach he's the same tonight. I was over in Europe one time. I was in heavy prayer because I was with, and I love the European people. God bless you. But they was just a little bit tight on me. And bless their hearts. Amen. I, I preached a little fast. And I, I think I was a little too excited. Sometimes eating that gunpowder make you away, brother. And, and I, I was a little excited, so I went back to my room. And I was praying before the Lord, God, you've got to give me something to get the attention of these people. They think I'm a, a rudimentary a, a baby in the message. You know, you got to give me something, Lord. you got to give me something. And I just happened to be listening to a tape. And all of a sudden on the tape, I could hear Brother Branham. He said, now listen. He said, if you're going to be a preacher, he said, I suggest that you preach Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, now, if you're not going to preach that, go be a farmer or a lawyer or anything else. But don't you be a preacher. Amen. And I'll tell you this. If we're going to preach this message, we're going to have to preach Jesus Christ. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he come down on the upper room and filled 120 hearts, he's still given the Holy Ghost. If God did it for them, he can do it for you. If he healed, he's still healing. If he saved, he's still saving. Now, it's not the I was. It's the I am. Now, now if you notice this, I, I got one, but thank you. He said, where the carcass is, he said, there the eagles are gathered together. In Matthew 24, where the carcass is, there the eagles are gathered together. Now, Brother Branham, what does that mean where the carcass is there, the eagles? He said, well, that carcass now, he said, that's Christ. That's the word of your season. You're feeding on Jesus when you're feeding on the word of your season. Now, Jesus said, how often I would have gathered you. I, I. How often I would have gathered you. When he's feeding the church the message, he's gathering the eagles to the carcass of the word. It's there at that carcass, the carcass of the I am. It is there that they feed for their eternal life. It is there that they feed and draw into them life-giving protein, life-giving meat, Life-giving nourishment comes into them. It's a feast, or could I call it a banquet? When the killing of the word in its season, what is it? It's an invitation for the church to come and dine. Now, you know what's written in Revelation, the third chapter. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man would open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. So the voice of God's knocking on your heart. Now, Brother Ram said he's knocking on your heart. He wants to get in. He said, now what's he going to do? He's going to have supper with you. That's pretty good. The Lord's going to have supper with you. Now what does that mean to the church? He said, he's going to take the hidden things in the scripture and reveal them unto you. He's going to have 
He's going to have an evening communion with the church. Now, Jesus is going to be serving communion in the end time. This same principle is preached from the book of Genesis when Melchizedek meets Abraham. And remember what he done? He produced a wine and a bread at that communion. Now Melchizedek had, communion had never been given. But now Abraham was receiving wine and bread he didn't bring. That's, 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 that's pretty powerful stuff. He didn't produce it. He was receiving it. The bread he was receiving had come from heaven. It had manifested itself in his presence and Abraham was eating bread from heaven. Now, you, I don't want to take time in that, so let's just move a moment and look in John 6 where Jesus said, I am the bread of life that comes down out of heaven. So now, Jesus is the bread you eat. Where the carcass is, there the eagles gather. What you're feeding on is Christ. That's why he says over there in Revelation 10, come and take the book, John, and eat the book and the word of the season will be in your mouth, John. You see what he's doing? He's feeding on the secret revealed word of the age he's living in. Not a new book, same book, just being revealed. He's having communion and receiving of unleavened bread. It's one of the most beautiful pictures in the scripture is that John, John here is receiving unleavened bread called the book, but it's unleavened bread. Now, if you, if you, if you like to study the message and follow the, follow the path of how God descending into, into manna for our age, you can follow the path and show you the very trail he takes when Brother Bram preaches a message called Paradox. How many remembers Paradox when Brother Bram sees the vision of the mamba and he sees the vision of going across the Jordan and he said, I went over the Jordan and he said, all the promises were there. Remember that? He said, I seen, uh, if, if, I'll catch you up on it if you don't remember it. He said he, he seen a vision and he said in this vision he was walking on this trail and he said he was walking he come up and he said, I was in two thirds of the journey was over and it was one third of the journey left. Three pulls now. He said it was one third of the journey left and he said, on the other side of the Jordan was the last part of the journey. He said, and that's where all those promises were. We're on the other side of the Jordan. And then he comes back and teaches. Joshua parallels Ephesians. And he shows that his ministry is to lead the bride out of a wilderness journey into a land of promise. To cross over, amen, the divide and, and take us into the promises of God. Well, when he shows this happening, he takes this to the scripture. He, he actually goes to the book of Corinthians. It's powerful. And he said, purge out therefore the old leaven that you may have a new lump. And ye are unleavened for Christ is our Passover and his sacrifice for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with leaven of malice and wickedness, but with leaven, unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So he was showing us that his message was about to produce an unleavened bread. 
He was going to be bringing, now this is real important, because it would have no humanity in it, right? Leaven is corruption. It would have no corruption in it. It would not be corrupted by human thinking. It would be the same kind of bread that Melchizedek would have given Abraham back there in that he didn't take it from Abraham and eat it. He produced it. He brought it from heaven. The revelation that was being given to the church was coming from the angel of the Lord. It wasn't coming from the world. It wasn't coming from theology. It was coming from heaven bringing us an immortal feast where we could eat the bread of immortality. Now, church of the living God, I know you know the promise of this age. I know that this bride is standing at the very, at the very brink of the changing of the body. Now, we could say that. We've been saying it. But if there ever was a time to say it, I believe it's today. With Putin sitting there with those missiles hanging in the bomb. They're hanging there waiting. They are poking the bear right now. Our, 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 I hate to say it, but our sleepy-eyed president is so blind, he's poking the bear thinking, amen, that it ain't going to shoot them missiles, and he keeps telling them, I'm going to shoot them. But there's a word laying over this bride that says before the first one ever hits, America will be setting in glory. You're eating the bread. You're eating the bread. Think of this. The last communion that Moses gave before they left Egypt, they ate that bread and they had their staff in their hand and they had their shoes on their feet. Brother, they were ready to go. And I'll tell you this, we're eating this message and we're ready to go. We don't need to get ready, we're ready. We're ready to go tonight and we're eating the bread of our change. Every promise is here. Now, it's in the scripture. It's, it's laying there in the scripture where he says that all those promises are in there. And he says what he's doing is putting them in Joshua. How many ever followed the journey of Joshua through the wilderness and they eat of the heavenly manna? They eat every day of that heavenly manna. But when they crossed over into Jordan, the manna stopped that had been fallen for all of that time. And now they were turned to eat from the land they were living in. They've been waiting 400 years to get into this land. And now they were going to eat. I don't have the ability to tell you. They were going to eat from the promises that had been made to Abraham. Thy seed shall sojourn, but I will deliver them and bring them into this land. And now after 400 years, they were putting things in their mouth that had took 400 years for them to taste. They were eating things that gave them a reality. This is my home. This is my property. This is my land. This doesn't belong to somebody else. I have come to this time. God has brought me to this day. This is my season. This is my message. This is my hour. And when they began to eat that, you know the story. Joshua got all kinds of aggressive. Joshua got aggressive. He got an attitude and decided he would tear down every stronghold in all of, all, of, all of Palestine. He went and started with Jericho the very day of the Passover. Y'all know what Passover is? It's new beginnings. 
and he had a new beginning. He had a refreshing from the presence of God while he ate from the land of Canaan. Something struck his heart. No devil going to keep me off of my ground no more. No devil going to keep me out of my promises no more. I'm going to eat a bread that lets me know who I am where I come from, where I'm going, that this is the present hour and season and I can have this. And as he was eating this bread, look what he's doing. He's taking from the promise. Am I carrying you? Are you seeing my point? He's eating. He's eating from the promise. The book has not been promised to be opened in any other age. They've been waiting for this book to be opened for 6,000 years. No man has ate of this book. And all of a sudden, the revelation that Eve turned down in the Garden of Eden has been brought back to the church of the living God. And here sits a simple group of people tonight feeding on the same exact manna that Eve would have ate in the Garden of Eden and she would have manifested Jesus Christ in the flesh had she continued to eat. I'll tell you this, while we're eating this bread, we're bringing, we're bringing from the, that's why, now watch this, that's why the, the Baptist will tell you a Baptist story and they'll talk about future days and the Church of Christ about other days, but when you're listening to a message preacher, they're talking about, well, the Brother Bram did this and he opened up this channel and this thing happened this because that's where you are supposed to be feeding. You're feeding from that word that is the word of change. It's the word for your body change. Now watch this because as you're eating from it, you begin to live from the evidence of your land. You know... I got on the elevator today with a guy, and he had a YouTube on. He was playing audible, audible books. I know what they are. He was playing audible books. I got on, and I could hear he was listening to some kind of novel. I said, audible books or what? He said, oh, yeah. He said, I travel for a living. He said, man, I live on these things. Oh, my. You're living on that. Some fantasy? Some story? I'm living on something else. I'm living on what God sent to this age to change things. Now look at this. It's the thing that God is giving that we're not feeding on some man. We're feeding on the word body. Now, I'm not asking this because I think you're slow. I think I'm a bad preacher. Are we together to this point? The I am present truth. Feeding from that word. Now, Paul says this in Hebrews 13. He said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Watch this next verse. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. For it is good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Paul's saying it's straight, ain't he? Some of y'all eating stuff that ain't profiting you nothing. You have been occupied eating things that did not fit into Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Look what his next verse says. We have an altar 
Paul said, I got an altar whereof they have no right to eat. In other words, they could not perceive or receive Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. They couldn't, they couldn't accept that Paul had met him in a light. They couldn't swallow it. They could not devour the idea that that Jesus was alive. And it was, they couldn't take the idea of it. But you see what it is? Paul is saying that he's the same and we have an altar that they cannot eat of. Now, y'all know that's a good, deep subject that I don't have time to preach tonight. But watch in the book of Psalms, David will say this, for thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil and my cup runneth over. Listen, God has prepared this table. He has set this banqueting table in the presence of your enemy. The devil is here in all of his power. The devil, Brother Branham announced, is the God of this age. He's announced that hell, that lid has been taken off and 200,000, thousand demons have rolled in ecclesiastical devils to persecute this bride, to push against them. And here we're sitting tonight eating the food of the manna of Almighty God. The devil might be sitting right by you, but you're feasting on the food of Almighty God. You're eating word. You're eating words that will change your life in the presence of your enemy. I will prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemy. He actually says to you, he actually says this, amen, that light shines in darkness and darkness don't get it. Light shined and darkness don't get it. So what are you talking about, Brother Wayne? I'll say this to you, amen, the message reveals Christ and the world didn't see it when it happened. It revealed Christ and they didn't see it would happen because he's revealing scripture that they look at it's somewhere's way in the future. Do you know 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, is in the middle of being manifested here tonight? Do you know that the very scripture, the Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout and a voice and a trump, that shout is the message of William Branham. Brother Branham said, the living bread the living bread. When you're feeding on the message, you are becoming the voice of the resurrection. The words that have been given to you are the very words of resurrection power. They're the words that could change your bodies. First Corinthians 15, he said, I'll show you a mystery, we'll not all sleep, but we shall be changed. That in a moment of the twinkling of eye, the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. And how are you gonna do that? How are you gonna do that? How are you gonna get incorruption in a corruptible state? How are you going to take in something that is incorruptible when you are completely corruptible? Uh, Brother Biscoe said something one time I thought was phenomenal. He said, you're judging a church trying to make up what you think about it, but you are in such an unperfect condition, how could you ever give a perfect judgment? So no matter how, how wonderful you think that you could approach the Scripture, you'll never approach them incorruptibly because you're so corrupted. Right? But look at what he's saying. 
you would take it on. The church eats the message of the hour. The message of this hour is the rapture. The message of this day is the change of your body. The promise of this hour, the I am of this day is the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice. What are you doing here? The rapture has sent you here. Church, I, I, I don't believe this Bible is written separate from somebody. I believe somebody is 1 Thessalonians 4. I'm not just reading about the rapture. I am the rapture. I'm not just reading the Bible. We are the Bible. We're not just reading the message. We are the message. You don't think God's going to take home a book, do you? He's going to take home a bride who has ate the book, became the book, and he's going to take that book. It's a change of the body. It's, it's what God is giving to change the church. Now look what he's doing. When he begins to bring that bread, he's bringing a feast. He's inviting you to a feast. Now, you, I, I read it for you, 1 Corinthians 15. He actually says this corruptible should put on incorruptible and put on immortality. And when it happens, he says it shall be brought to pass, saying death is swallowed up. Death is swallowed up in victory. Now watch this. In Isaiah 25 and 8, it said death will be swallowed up in victory. Your enemy will be eaten by victory. Faith is your victory. Here at the time of the destruction of your enemy, the Bible said God sets up a banquet. Now can you imagine this? That he sets a table with fats and wines and invites you to a banquet of wine. The, the bride of Christ, the Mount Zion, there is something that he is preparing. He's preparing, he's preparing a table of wine. Now what, what you're coming to is the refreshment of God. What you're eating is a refreshment of God. It literally is a wine that is to be given. Now you're all Bible students, you're message believers, so I'm not going to preach a long sermon here. But watch what he's saying in Revelation 6 and 6. Brother Branham is distinct in telling you this. He says, the Bible says, in the third seal, in the middle of the dark ages, hurt not the oil and the wine. He said, now we're going to find the symbol for oil means the Holy Ghost. It's God. He said, but now that symbol for wine represents revelation. Now watch, the, the, the banquet he's inviting you to is a banquet of revelation. He's showing you that what's going to overcome your enemy is revelation. The church that takes the revelation of the age will be overcomers in that age. If you receive the revelation, you receive strength to overcome. Can I, can I just give you the scripture? When the enemy comes like a flood, God will raise a standard against that enemy. Come on, y'all know the scripture. And there was a lion, and there was a man, and there was an ox, and there's an eagle. 
And the prophet said the eagle was the one that would defeat in the last days. And what is it? Eagle is a word prophet giving revelation to the church. So the banquet of the bride is a banquet of revelation that has been given to the church. I'll tell you what he's told you. He said to you, if you'll just come here and take of this, while you're drinking this wine, while you're receiving of this revelation, this is where your enemies are conquered. In Revelation is where your enemy is conquered. If you have doubts about the message, if you get a revelation of the word, it will kill the doubt that is doubting the word. The way you combat, the way you combat a doubting spirit is revelation. The way you combat a lion spirit is revelation. The way you combat a devil is by revelation. The gates of hell will never prevail against revelation. When this bride recognizes who she is, then the rapture's going to go. The rapture is a revelation. Oh, glory to God. It's when the church begins to drink of the wine of the revelation of Almighty God. They're set out there at a table. I, I tell you, it's, it's an amazing study. It's an amazing study to see that this is exactly what happens when, <laughs> this is exactly what happens when Esther wants to get rid of her enemy. You remember what it was? When Esther wanted to get rid of her enemy, what she done is she got into a position that she was a queen, but it was a secret that she was the seed of Abraham. She was a queen, but it was a secret of who she really was. Y'all remember that? She got in undercover. Then the seventh seal had never been opened yet, but she was in position as queen without anybody knowing who really she was. And Haman decided, I'll kill all them Jews, but he didn't realize that the very Jew seed he was trying to kill was now the queen of the country he was living in. He didn't know that God had elevated the seed and hid it in the palace and she was sitting in royalty while the enemy was trying to kill her thinking she was just another no good for nothing Jew but she was the seed of Abraham. You know what she did? Amen. She outsmarted that devil because Mordecai sent word to her that she needed to do something and you remember she didn't want to at first. Remember? She said, no, I don't think this is going to work. I don't think this is going to work. And this is where the revelation came to me. You got to get up before you can get down. You got to get up sometimes before you can get down to business with God. You got to get up and start believing. Esther could not believe she could, could conquer her enemy, but Mordecai convinced her that she needed to do something. So when she got lifted up high enough, she got down to business with God and began a three day fast. Y'all remember that? And on the third day, she went in. I ain't trying to preach it. I just want you to pick up the thought. On the third day, she went in, and when she did, she was offered a golden scepter. Come on now, take the authority. It's going to be offered to you, and it happens in the third day. Does that mean anything to y'all? In the third day, you're going to get this golden scepter, and it'll give you authority of half of this kingdom. And she could have asked for anything she wanted. She could have, in this day, she could have a joint airship with him and ask for anything she wanted. You know what she wanted? She wanted rid of that enemy. And how could she get rid of that enemy? She made a banquet of wine. 
and she invited her enemy with her husband king at the same time. And under that banquet of wine, there came out a revelation that somebody was trying to kill her and it was this very Haman that was there and that she was the seed of Abraham and the king seeing this, oh God. He literally had Haman, had, had, a, had a hood put over his head and drug him out because he was trying to abuse the queen in the presence of his own cousin, of her own king. And to think here we are tonight that this devil has come right here in the house of God and he's approached with us in this banquet of wine. But let me tell that devil something. The seven seals already revealed it. We are the seed of Abraham. We are the royal queen's seed of almighty God. And as the revelation begins to unfold, Amen. That devil's already whipped tonight. Whether he knows it or not, God has given grace to this bride to overcome that devil. It's a banquet of wine that you're drinking, the wine and the stimulation of the revelation. Do you see that as you go in revelation, it's going to grow? Now, in, in, in when you start looking into this, I've got just a couple minutes and I'll close. When you, when you start getting into this and you go and look at Jesus this is beautiful because this is the very first miracle he ever performs. The very first miracle he ever performs is in John the second chapter. Now, if you read it, uh, if you read it there with me, it's a powerful reading. Uh, I don't have time to go through all of it, but I want to read it with you just a little bit. But pull up John the second chapter. And when's the last time you read this portion? It's, it's, it's a powerful read. The Bible said that the third day there was a marriage in Cana, Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. Now, did that say the third day? It said the third day. Do you know the third day? Y'all know how important that day is? It's actually a Tuesday, right? The third day's a Tuesday. But Jews got married on the third day because in the beginning when God created the heavens and earth, it was twice he said it's good on the third day. It's good, it's good. So they said it's a good day, and they got married on the third day, which were Tuesdays. But in Matthew, the 24th chapter, it was on a Tuesday in the evening time when Jesus answered three questions that had been asked to him about the sign of the times. Amen. And when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming? It was in the evening of the third day when he answered all of the questions. When the six seals were put in Matthew 24 was in the evening of the third day. Do you see it's the same in this last day? Brother Branham said the third day. Remember, Jesus rose on the third day. And in the morning of the third day, they had some rumors he was alive. But in the evening of the third day, they saw him break bread and knew it was him. He broke bread in the evening of the third day and under a banquet in a little room, he revealed that this is the same Jesus. He is resurrected from the grave. I tell you, God has given us a little room experience today. He took us in in the evening of the third day and broke the bread and we have seen Jesus the same. It's in the third day he comes to this wedding. It's a beautiful thing. It happens in Cana, Galilee. The mother of Jesus is there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. 
And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Brother, a marriage without wine. A marriage in the evening of the third day without wine. Now, you can listen to a different translation that's pretty powerful when you read the King James Version. The New King James Version, they said it in a way, helps you catch it just a little better. It said, and when they ran out of wine. You mean, they started with some wine, but when they ran out. When they ran out of wine. I tell you, friends, when they ran out, Jesus was there. They ran out of wine. But when they ran out, so happened, it happened at the same time Jesus had entered the marriage. When they ran out of wine, you said, Preacher, what are you talking about? Can I, can I just tell you this? There are a lot of times in Scripture people ran out. But when they ran out, he was there. Let me ask you about this, about, about that widow at Zarephath when she ran out of bread. What about she had bread, but she had run out of bread. And when she ran out, Elisha was there and said, if you'll make some bread for me, you won't never run out no more. Because when you run out is when God gets busy restoring what you have lost. This is the age of restitution. When the world run out of revelation, here is Jesus giving revelation not just any revelation the revelation of the body change the revelation of the rapture the revelation of the church what is it when they ran out what about it when they run out my goodness we could stay here a little while what about it what about when they run out what about when the woman run out of money and her children were going to be sold into slavery and they said oh we got a little oil he said that's all you need a little because when you're just about out it's when God can cause miracles to happen amen it's when God can do great things with little things brother he said go borrow some go borrow you some vessels and they went and borrowed vessels amen and you know what they did they found out that God could fill every vessel they could bring they were out but God wasn't out God has never run out of anything, brother. God has not run out of power. God has not run out of ability. God has not run out of healings. I was sitting there thinking about it. I thought them poor, them poor fellows, amen, amen, amen. When them, when them Hebrew children were sitting there, they ran out, but he met them there. Daniel ran out, but he met them there. I'm sitting here thinking about people that ran out. I thought, my goodness, what about Moses? He ran out of a place to go. When he ran out of a place to go, God made him a place to go. Sometimes you just run out. You run out of courage. You run out of strength. You run out of, you run out of shout. You run out of joy. You run out of your experience with God. But when you get ready to run out, just let me tell you, you are in the evening of the third day and there's a feast of wine where God is refilling the barrel every morning. When you run out, there's a God to refill it. I should have started right here. When you run out, 
when you run out. Come on, Moses run out of a place to go, and God opened the place. Do you know why? Do you know why Moses run into that Red Sea? Do you know why he ran into it? I'll tell you what Brother Branham said. He said he ran into the Red Sea. He said God put mountains on one side and the other, put a sea in front of him, put an army behind him, so he would have no place to go. He said, because God wanted to show us that when there is no way, he will make a way. When there is no way, he will make a way. Let me prophesy to you, full gospel. Amen. When you're out, he's still got something for you. When you're running low, he can still fill you up. When there is no way, he still makes a way. I know I might sound like a wild man, but I've been drinking some wine of revelation that tells me he can bring revelation every hour of every day of your life. This is the grace of God, brother. When you're out, what about Joshua? He run out of light. What about him? He run out of light. He's fighting a battle and there's no light to fight and he's fishing to have to fight them devils in darkness. But God, when he run out, told him, you just speak the word. And when he spoke the word of God, he said, there'll be some light. Sun, you stand still. Moon, you stand still. And he fought the battle. Brother, let me ask you something. When did Joshua pray about that? Brother Branham said Joshua never even prayed through about it. He said God had already prayed him through before the foundation of the world. And he was standing there in the line of duty. And God gave him what he needed in that hour. I'll tell you this, you may be out tonight, but God get a word in your mouth. And if you will let your mouth open up, God will prophesy and make a way where there is no way. You run out, you ever run out? Come on, Martha run out of time. Martha run out of time, four days. Four days Lazarus had laid in that grave. She was out of time. It was over. Corruption already set in the body. But while she was seeing him laying there and all out of time, the Bible said Jesus came. And she went out to meet him and said, Lord, if you would have been here, I wouldn't have run out. He said, Martha, even now, I am the resurrection and the life. And though he were dead, yet shall he live. Listen, church, he's still the I am. He run out. Come on, Jairus. Brother Bam taught us something about Jairus. He said he run out of hope. You ever run out of hope? You ever run low of hope? You just run out of hope. Brother Bam said he run out of hope. He said, you know why? He said he run out of hope because they had already embalmed his daughter. He said by the time Jesus had got to Jairus' house, they had pulled the blood out and had put had put something in her to preserve her. He said the same way that that denomination has done you. He said they pulled out the life and have, and they, he said they have, they have put that stuff in you to preserve you and keep you dead. But when Jesus came, he said, clear the room of all the unbelievers. Clear the room of all the make-believers. You're about to see a resurrection because when you run out of hope, Jesus is still the great I am. When you run out, when you run out, they were out, but Jesus was there. You know what he says? He said unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? 
Mine hour is not yet come. And his mother said unto his servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, just do it. She never even discussed whether or not he was going to. He said, now when he tells you to do something, you just go ahead and do it because we're about to have wine. Whatever he tells you. Can you imagine when they looked over there, the scripture says there were six water pots of stone and they had three firkins apiece. Now that means about 20 or 30 gallon containers were sitting there. And Jesus commanded them that they would fill those water pots. So there's about 180 gallons of water. Me and, me and Isaac was reading this just before church. I tell you what, about, about, about sent me into overdrive. The Bible said, and he said unto them, draw out now and bear it unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted, means experienced, when he had tasted the water that was made wine, he knew not whence it was. But the servants which drew the water knew. Don't know how it happened. But somewhere from the time that that boy filled that cup up with water, when he filled the water, it was, it was water. And somewhere before he could give that water to the governor, it had already turned wine. Let me see. Acts the second chapter and yeah, Acts three twenty and two nineteen. Yeah, Malachi four. Yeah, Joel chapter two. They knew not that it was just water, but the servant that drew it knew it was water, but it's been turned into wine. It was just scripture, friends. It was just the water of the word. It was just scripture. But the master said, why? Why is it that you have saved this last wine? Why is it the best? Most people wait, serve the good wine in the front, get everybody drunk, and then they, then they serve the bad wine. Not Jesus. He saves the best wine. He saves that stimulating wine for the last days. It's then that he will take and reveal that when Jesus turned water into wine, he was showing that one day I'm going to change your body and I'm going to bypass your parents to do it. I'm not going to bring you through the process. I'm just going to speak and you're going to be changed. Listen tonight, friends. I believe that we're drinking some good wine at the banquets. Do you stand to your feet with us tonight? At the banquets of wine. Sometimes
Sometimes you have a real enemy. You say, how do I destroy this enemy? Invite him to the banquet. Me and Brother, me and brother Timothy Pruitt was down there working on his, on his church back several years back. And summertime, we walked up through there doing something, looked over. There's a big rattlesnake laying there on the sidewalk. I don't know if me and Timothy, one killed him. We killed the snake either way. <laughs> I looked over at the snake, and I said, you come here to die. Sometimes your enemy would like to keep you out of the house of God. I'd like to keep you away from this banquet. But if you just invite him, this is where he's destroyed. This is where he's this is where he's done away with. And when the revelation begins to come, this is the this is the thing that the message is producing is a refreshing, a renewal. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you're sitting here tonight and you say, Brother Wayne, I'm just at a place in my life where I just need my joy back. drinking this wine I'm talking about after a while you start stimulating you start moving I don't think I'm the only one preaches on wine Jesus preached on it and he said you can't take this new wine and put it in an old bottle and Brother Bram said the revelation behind it is he said the new wine has a little life in it and it's still got some movement. So that's why you got to have some oil. Because you got to oil these old human bodies. you got to oil that skin down. That when you put the wine in it, there's some flexibility in it. There's some movement. Hey, the longer we're around the church, if we're not careful, the stiffer we get. But we need to take some oil and wipe all over us. Make us flexible again. Make us move again. You know what Brother Brown said? He said, it'll give the wine room. When's the last time you give the wine some room? When's the last time you made a little room for the wine? Make it where it can move in you just a little bit. Had to tell your neighbor, scoot over, little neighbor. Scoot over, little. I'm about to, I'm about to shout right here in this meeting tonight. I said, preacher, you wouldn't do that? Absolutely, I would. I said, make a little room for the wine. There's something moving on the inside of my heart. I want to feel the grace of God. I, I don't want no dry religion. I don't want no stiff religion. I don't want no tied down intellectual concept of what the Word of God is. We want something that lives. Something that moves our hearts. Something that changes our lives. So Brother Wayne, I, I got this enemy that's it's just plaguing me everywhere. Bringing to the banquet tonight. Turn the wine bottle up. Begin to drink the revelation that tells you, I come from God. I'm going.
going back to God. I'm ordained before the foundation of the world. The word has come to me. I'm the bride of Christ. I'm the seed of Abraham. Nothing can destroy me. There's no way the devil can overcome me. I tell you, start drinking on that a while. Start drinking on that a while. Have you ever just wanted to rejoice? I've seen people, I've seen people that want a, want a blessing from God. They want a blessing. They don't know how to get it. Let me tell you how to get a blessing. You don't beat it out of the chair. Don't beat it out of the floor. If you want a blessing from God, you take his word that he's fulfilled, and you put it in your vision, and you begin to thank him for it. And you begin to worship him for it. Amen. If you had to reach back now and say, God, you created the heavens and the earth. You're the God that spun the stars. You're the God that gave me life. You're the God that called me to preach. You're the God that saved my soul. You're the God that healed my body. You're the God that gave me this baby, Evelyn. You're the God that, man, that, that took that spirit of depression off of my baby. You're the God that changes. And all of a sudden, there's something starts moving in the church. It's called wine. The stimulation of revelation begins to move and the Holy Ghost begins to change. Listen, He will never turn down your praise. He will never turn down your praise. I don't care who you are or where you're from. If you want to worship God, He will take what you give Him. He will take what you give Him and He is worthy of all of the praise a man can ever give Him. And sometimes we are to just lift up our hands and begin to say, God, I thank you for the message of the hour. I thank you for the revelation of this age that you have sent into our lives, Father. I'm so thankful for it, Lord. I'm so thankful for it, Father. Let's just bow our hearts together here tonight. Almighty God, we thank you tonight for your grace and your mercy. Lord, we pray that something has been spoken here tonight that would be a channel of inspiration, that would build the church of the living God into a foundation, Lord, where nothing shakes them, nothing can deter them, no enemy can prosper against them. Father, I pray tonight that we sit down at this banqueting table, this banqueting table of Almighty God, that we eat the fruit of the tree of life, where we drink of the wine of the stimulation of God. Lord, may our enemies be defeated here tonight. May death be destroyed in our midst, O oh God. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Magnify the Lord. Come and say his name.
Hey! 
don't you lift your hands, lift your voice right there. That's his presence that you feel. You may have run out, but he ain't run out. You may have run out of hope, but he ain't run out of hope. Oh, say, God, why don't you come and oil this vessel up one good time, Father? And let me bless your name in this place, oh God. Let your oil come and fill my life, oh God. Let that revelation power come and strike this vessel. Let me bless you one time, Father. Oh God, won't you pour your spirit out of this place, Lord, like never before. Lord, you're mighty to be praised. But God, right here in this place right now, Lord, I'm asking that you condescend, Lord Jesus, over every person right now. Whatever situation of life that they're in, I pray that you begin to bless them as they lift up their voice to bless you, Father. I pray you pour out your healing upon them, O oh God. Pour out your oil upon them, O oh God. May the stimulation of the word that they've been eating on begin to rock something on the inside of them that they'll rock every devil in hell right out of their way, O oh God. Push cancer out of their life. Push the sickness out of their life. Push diseases out of their life. Anxieties out of their life. Tormenting spirits out of their life. I pray right now that you'd rock every devil with a revelation. The bride of Jesus Christ has got her swing in hand. I pray, Lord, right now that you move like you never would move before. Move in this place. Move in this congregation. Move in our hearts. Oh, come on, somebody. Why don't you call out to him? Why don't you thank him right there from your pew, from your lips, from your life? Why don't you thank him for what he just did for you? Hallelujah. 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 in the house of God. That's right. If anybody's got a right to praise him. Our God, our God, water you turned into wine. 
Hallelujah. Fear G. Fear G. Lord, we thank you. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Oh, Lord, we thank you. For you are God. Oh, Lord, we love you. Oh, Lord, we love you. Oh, Lord, we
you bless his name right there aren't you thankful for the word of life that come by your way oh what a mighty God what a mighty God that we serve hallelujah hallelujah Lord we love you Lord we love you oh Lord we love you I sing because I'm happy Oh, and I sing Because I'm free His eye is on On the space Oh, oh. 
church will be open here. Brother Wayne will be ministering for us again in the morning at 11 a.m. Brother Sean, thank you for being in the house of the Lord. You brothers, thank you for being here. Brother Darren, God bless you, you and your family for being here. God bless you as you go on your way tonight. We dismiss you in the name of the Lord. Oh, it gives me strength from day